Hey, welcome to Life at Six tonight. It's great to have you with us. You happy to be in church? Awesome. It is wonderful to see you because tonight we're coming to the fourth and final part of a series that we've been running. You may or may not have realized we've been doing a series, but over the last few weeks we've been looking at the, uh, the story of the gospel, the overarching story of God and humanity and his plan for us. You know, we started at the beginning with God's design, with his design, the fact that he created us, he planned us and purposed us, but then we fell. We rebelled against God, we disobeyed him, and because of that, sin entered the world. And then we got to last week, where we looked at the fact that there is still good news, that Jesus came and he took our place, he became our substitute. We looked at the saving power of the cross, but there's one more step in this journey. There's one more step in this journey, and that is our restoration. Our restoration, the process of God taking where we were, transforming us gradually, And this series has actually come from a book. It's come from a book called Pathway, which is this book here. This book was designed by Edge Church in Adelaide, who we've started to become good friends with. And um, this is where this series has been come from. And so the purpose behind this book is to help you initiate a conversation about Jesus. Um, We've given this book out to everyone in the church, everyone over the age of 13. So if you haven't got one yet, you're able to get one after the service. And so the heart behind this book is for you to be able to take it and give to anyone who is maybe starting to ask you a little bit about why do you act the way you act? Why do you believe what you believe? Why are you different from the people around you? Maybe it's something that you could help initiate that conversation with. It's a tool that you can use for your friends, your family, your co-workers, anyone who wants to have that conversation. And I really like it, right? Because for someone who is a little bit more uh, fashion conscious, Someone who's a little bit, uh, who likes the way things look. I like things to look good. I like things to be designed well. I love it because it looks good, doesn't it? Don't you think it looks cool? It doesn't look cringe. It doesn't look um, cheesy. And so Anna and I just have this sitting on our coffee table at home. We just have it sitting on our coffee table at home so that when we have people around, family or whoever, it can just be sitting there always ready and available to spark a conversation, whether they pick it up, whether we initiate it. So if you haven't got one of these, you weren't here this morning, you can get one after the service. We'll explain that a bit later. But this is where this series has been coming from, starting with God's design. Where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe. He created the stars, the planets, matter, biology, physics, everything. He created this earth, and on it, he created mankind. He created us, and he placed us on it. He placed us in a garden And he said it was good. Created us perfect. Created us without blemish. And he created the perfect environment for us to live in. And the perfect relationship with each other. And to have perfect relationship with God. He would walk and talk with us in the garden. It was good. But then we fell. We decided that God's good wasn't good enough for us. We decided we'd rather create our own definition of good, our own sense of good. So we rebelled against God. We disobeyed the instruction he gave us. And in doing so, we allowed sin to enter the world. We allowed pain and suffering, disease, brokenness, and death to enter this world. And we've had to live with those ever since. Ever since our creation has been scarred and tainted with that original era. But not only that, our relationship with God was tainted. We severed our connection with him. 
we rejected him. And so instead of being able to walk with him in the garden like we used to, instead of being able to have that close face-to-face relationship, he's had to remain at a distance. But as we looked at last week, God didn't desire to be disconnected. He didn't desire to be distant. It was his plan and his design. He created us to live in relationship with him. That is what he wanted. That's what he desired. Not because it was good for him, but because he knew it was best for us that we lived in relationship with him. So he made the ultimate sacrifice by sending his son Jesus to come to this earth to live a perfect life, but be, to t- be taken and killed as a substitute for our sin. He became sin for us. He became the likeness of our sin. And so he took our place so that when we place our trust in him, when we accept him for what he did, when we accept him as Lord of our lives, we are saved, we are set free, and we are connected again with God as he originally designed. The end. The end. It's all perfect now. The world's restored, we're no longer broken, it's all perfect, we're done and dusted, that's the end of the story. It's not quite right, is it? We wish that was the case, but unfortunately it's not. Yes, Jesus has come, but it doesn't mean that this world is perfect again. It doesn't mean that we are perfect again. It doesn't mean that we still don't have brokenness. Sin is still a part and is still a problem of this world. And so there's one more step that we're going to look at tonight, and that is restoration. Restoration, our restoration, the process of God taking us and making us more and more like him. You see, when we accept Jesus, as we talked about last week, we are instantly made right with God again. That is a transaction that takes place. We are instantly connected. We are forgiven. All our past mistakes and our sin is forgotten and forgiven. But from that moment, he begins a process of transformation, begins a process of gradually taking us back to his original design. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I'm not the same as when I was when I first met him. That there was stuff in my life that God has been able to deal with over the years and years I've journeyed with him. I've been privileged to grow up in a fantastic family, but it doesn't mean that I didn't still have issues I had to deal with. It doesn't mean I was perfect. I had it all together. And so I'm thankful that God has taken me and he's improved me. He's made me more and more into the man he wants me to be. And that's what God does. We're forgiven, but we're not made perfect straight away. And there's a verse in the New Testament which sums it up really sort of perfectly for me. This is a verse that I find really painfully accurate in my life. Every time I read it, I've, it's from the Apostle Paul. I just, I hear it and I go, man, I feel you, bro. I'm with you here. It's Romans 7, starting at verse 15. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Jumping down to verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin, to the sin that is still within me. Is there anyone else that is on my level with this verse? I know what the right thing is to do. I know the way I should be living my life. I know the decisions that I should be making. I know that I shouldn't have to be struggling with these things, but I just still struggle to do it. I still keep facing up to the same bad decisions. I still keep coming up against the same insecurities, the same mistakes, the same errors over and over again. I know I should get up early and go for a run, but instead I stay in bed until 10 a.m. and have a glass of Coke for breakfast. 
I know I should probably, that true story, that was Friday. Um, I know I should probably eat more healthy, but those of you who know me, I, I love a Big Mac hunger buster. I know I should get up and spend more time with God. I know I should read his word more. I should spend more time in prayer. But the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just way too good. Netflix is way too attractive. Well, Fortnite is way too much fun. I want to do what is right, but I inevitably do the opposite. I know I should forgive that person, but I still hold that grudge. I know I should stop thinking these particular thoughts. I know I should spend more time at church. I know I should give. I know I should serve. I know I don't have to deal with depression. I know I shouldn't have these anxious thoughts. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I still struggle to do it. I still struggle with it. And it's because even though we have accepted Jesus, even though I have accepted him, I've been forgiven, I've been made clean, he's forgiven all my past mistakes, it doesn't mean that I will never sin again. I'm still human, I still make mistakes, I still have struggles, and I still face temptation and hardships. We're made right before God. But transformation is a lifetime of God continually working on things in our lives, making us more and more into the way he originally designed. John 10 verse 10, this is Jesus speaking. My purpose is to give them, that's you and I, a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give you and I a rich and and satisfying life. I know that God wants more for me. Other translations say live life, want, uh, want them to have life in abundance or live life to its full. God has a rich and satisfying life for me. He wants me to live life to all its fullness. He wants you to live life in all its abundance. He wants you to have those breakthroughs. He wants you to overcome those struggles you're facing. He wants you to put those things behind you, but I can't have that if I continue to live the way I used to. I can't have those if I continue to live outside of God's design. You see, when an engineer makes a car, when he makes a car, when he designs a car, he knows that car inside and out. He knows that car inside and out, and he knows the potential that's in that car. He knows the car's top speed. He knows how far it can go before it needs a top up, all the potential that's in it. He knows the right type of fuel that you should put in that car. He knows the right type of tires it needs, the best conditions to drive it in, the right kind of roads that it needs to travel on. And so he gives you a manual outlining, outlining all those things. He gives you a manual explaining all those things. He doesn't give you the manual to rob the joy out of driving your car. He doesn't give you the manual to take the fun out of owning and driving a car. He gives you the manual because he knows the potential in that car. And he goes, if you want to see this car perform, live up to the potential that I've placed within it. If you want to get the most out of this car, if you want this car to have a rich and satisfying life, these are the guidelines that you should operate this car under. These are the guidelines you should run this car. And it's the same with us. God has designed us. He's planned us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the type of fuel I need. He knows the type of tires I should equip, the right conditions to drive in. Not so here. So he's given me a set of guidelines not to rob the joy out of my life, not to give me a set of rules to follow, but because he knows the potential he's placed in my life. He knows that he's got a rich and satisfying life for me, and this is how I get to it. 
These are the guidelines to living that. So we need to allow God to begin to transform and change us. To allow God to bring that transformation in our lives, but it requires our obedience. It requires us following those guidelines. It requires sometimes maybe facing painful process, painful things in our life. It might, for some, it might look like, yeah, I've, I've got to make it to church even though I'm tired in the morning. Or even though it's cold at night, I've got to, I've got to make it to life group, whatever, whatever, whatever it is that you've got going on. Maybe I need to allow a mentor to speak the truth and love into my life, to have someone who can speak to me and say, hey, I noticed this, maybe you should change this, whatever it might be. And Carl made this amazing comment this morning, which I want to echo, is that we will be a church that will do that journey with people. That we will be a church that will do that journey with people. That we will mentor people. We will gather around people, regardless of where they're at in that journey. That we will stand beside them and see God um, release everything that they have for them. Romans 1 verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you. Let God. It's a decision we've got to make. We have to allow him to do it. We have to make a choice. We have to give him permission. You know, he won't force it upon us. Just like he didn't force you to follow him. He doesn't force you to love him. He wants, he he gives that to us as a choice. And it's the same with transformation. We have to allow it upon us. We cannot transform ourselves. This is the trap I fall into time and time again where I get stuck trying to strive and strain, trying to make myself better on my own, going, no, it's okay, God. I can figure this out on my own. I don't need to go up for that older call to get prayer. I can figure this out. I don't need to tell my mentor about that sin in my life. I can get through it. I can find that breakthrough. It's okay. I can do it. But the truth is I can't. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability All God is wanting from me is my obedience. He's wanting my obedience and my trust. It's a daily choice that I have to make. And Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He began the work. He began it. God started it. From that moment I accepted Jesus on the cross, he started it, but it means that he will see it through. And he will be with me every step of the way. He will be with you when it's good times. He'll be with you when it's storms, when it's going through painful process. God's promise is that he will be with you because he started it and he will see it to its completion. He will see it to its end. If the band would like to join me again. You see, when we accept Jesus, when we accept what he did on the cross for us, I'm forgiven of my mistakes. We're forgiven of our sin. We're forgiven of our errors. But we don't suddenly have all our issues magically taken away. We don't suddenly have our brokenness fixed. But the difference is, is that those things no longer define us. Those things no longer define us. We are now defined as children of God. That is where our identity lies. As we sung before, we are who he says 
we are. You see, before Jesus, we were defined by our sin. We were defined by those actions. And that verse we read earlier, it says we were a slave to sin. You know, a slave has no identity other than who his master is. A slave's identity is who his master is. A slave has no rights. A slave has no authority, no power, no property, no value. But that is no longer what defines who we are. We are no longer defined by our actions, by our sin. We are defined by the love that God has for us. We don't have to earn this love, earn this acceptance. This is given to us freely. And we can now live in the truth that God loves us that we are his children, that we are his sons and his daughters, that he has more for us, that he has a rich and satisfying life for you. He has an abundant life for you. That is who he says you are. And so as we end this series tonight, I want to take this opportunity to uh, open up the front for prayer. You know, we've been going over the series for the last four weeks and I don't want us to leave it not having changed a little bit, not having taken an opportunity for God to come and to move in our life. So if you're here tonight and if you've got things in your life, you're going, all right, God, I I need you to work in this. I need you to transform this part of my life. Maybe there's an addiction going on that you want to get rid of. You want to see breakthrough in. Maybe you've got thought patterns or processes that you need changing, whatever it is. God has a rich and satisfying life for you. Whatever it is, depression, anxiety, loneliness, worthlessness, addictions, those things are not God's design for your life. They're not his plan. They're not his purpose. Maybe you're here tonight and you are already going through some stuff. Maybe God's already dealing with it and you just want someone to stand next to you. Because you know the thing I love about the way God does transformation is that he doesn't let us do it alone. He doesn't let us do it alone. We've already covered that God designed us for relationship. Not just with God, but with each other. That is why he established the church. The church is his design. It's his plan. You don't have to live out this stuff alone. Or maybe you're here tonight and you you don't have that connection with God that we've been talking about. You don't have that reality that you're defined by God's love, that you're, you have the understanding that you're a son or a daughter of God. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to accept that truth for the first time or the 17th time. If you're here tonight, you want to have a reality of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Having all your past sins and mistakes forgiven, can I encourage you to come forward as well? This team here would love to gather around you, pray with you, whatever you're going through. But can we stand now? So we're going to go into a time of ministry. The band's going to sing some songs. And so can we not leave this place tonight without having God move in a little way? Without having Him come and transform parts of our lives? This is what the church is in the business of doing. This is why we gather, because we know that God has an abundant life for each and every one of us. So if if you're in any one of those categories or maybe a category I didn't even list, I encourage you to come forward. We'd love to gather around you. Let's sing.